The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. The Matrix was more interesting. But <laughs> it had like guns and stuff. It had guns and stuff, dude. And right, blood. Ken? That's right. It, it was had, like punching. It had and so much punching. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast number 186. I am Craig Hanks, your host, and over there, he's like a screaming skull bear woman thing, but I'd rather have it than him in the house. It's Ken Johnson. Just as suicidal and half as self-destructive. And the creepiest thing about him is just how lifelike he manages to be. It's Kyle Lemon. If you cut me open, my insides move. So. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, <laughs> so uh, if you don't get the references today, what we're talking about is Alex Garland movies, specific, specifically his directorial movies. Ex Machina, and Annihilation. So, right up front, I'm just going to blanket, spoiler alert these. Uh, these are both 100% worth viewing. So I'll just spoil that opinion from us right up front and say if you have not seen these, go watch them uh, and then come listen to this. And but they're not, And they're not ones that you would be okay with being spoiled either. So if you haven't seen it, Turn it off now. Right. Endings right. endings matter in, mm-hmm. in these for sure. Yes. So, okay. So before we get on to that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping first. Obviously, go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and join the conversation at thelegendarium.reddit.com where you can join in both before and after the episodes to uh, chime in on what you thought of not just the subjects at hand, but the stupid things that we have to say about them those are inevitable sure that's fine i don't <laughs> care uh you can also visit us on facebook twitter and for reasons unknown instagram uh <laughs> and i will also mention I, I i don't do this often enough but you can go to the com and check out our entire archive uh, it will point you toward an archive that you can listen to chronologically uh, with our basically our RSS feed. Or uh, on our website, we do have our episodes grouped by series. And so if you see something that kind of tickles your fancy, you don't have to hunt through the entire archive to find all the episodes on that subject. You can find them all right there. So visit us at thelegendariumpodcast.com. Gentlemen, how so, are we? It's been a good week. It's been, I, before we get to the Alex Garland stuff, I will say I watched so many movies in the last week. I, it's frightening. Um, I, I spent some time at my in-laws house and there wasn't a ton for me to do there. And so I, I was watching movies with the kids. So I watched a few kind of old Pixar movies and I went to the theater twice. I saw Ocean's 8 and jurassic world fallen kingdom oh boy and we do not have time to talk about those here but I, i'm thinking but what i'll do is to. i might just throw something on uh for patreon i don't know if you guys will stick around after the episode but even if both of you leave i will throw something on just for fun uh, that's what i'm thinking anyway so i'm i'm a bit movied out however 
<laughs> about a week ago, the thing that kind of kicked all this off was I watched Ex Machina because I knew we were going to make this episode. And oh my goodness, it really put me in the mood for some good movies. And so I, I watched a ton of movies this week. Uh, but let's start with Ex Machina. Now, we're going to get into this story, but just for anybody who maybe you've seen it, but you need a little refresher, here's my one paragraph refresher. Uh, Caleb, a computer programmer, spends a week with the mad scientist CEO of a giant tech company. The CEO has brought him there to determine whether Ava, the incredibly lifelike, uh, artificially intelligent robot, might pass as human to someone else. More than that, the CEO, Nathan, doesn't just want her to pass as human, he wants her to be human, to be real. Ava wants that too, but she and Nathan have very different ideas of the nature of humanity, and as their visions are set to collide, Caleb is caught in the middle, and the three of them barrel toward what was, looking back, the inevitable conclusion. So again, last chance, spoiler alert... The there is an inevitable conclusion. It is violent and it is interesting, and uh, and Ava makes her escape and escapes out into the world. It was it was a wonderful wonderful movie. Now Kyle, you just watched it for the first time today. Yes, sir. Oh. Okay, and what did you think of it? Give me your broad strokes. Uh, I really really enjoyed it. I wasn't as blown away with it as I was expecting to be. Uh, based off of high expectations, high expectations, yeah. and and it did it did the whole AI uh, obviously story, but I didn't think that it brought all that much new to the table that I hadn't seen in in artificial intelligence movies before. Sure. So I was really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good thinking movie. I also thought it was going to be a lot more action packed. Uh, even just based off the trailer, it seemed like there was going to be more things happening. And I, I like that it wasn't that way. I like that it let you think and figure things out and that it was very Alex Garland style. Sure. Now so, that we now that we know now that what we know that his style. Our Alex Garland style yeah. is, yeah, it is very much that. That was the thing that surprised me about Ex Machina going into it because, like I said, I just watched it for the first time about a week ago and... I didn't know much about it. I knew it was about AI, mm-hmm. and there's, uh, it, I knew who the actors were, but I didn't know what parts they played or anything besides, uh, besides uh, Alicia Vikander. And I was surprised by how small the movie was. Mm-hmm. It's it's very contained. There's one mm-hmm. essentially one set. It's very much like you know, The Shining takes place almost entirely in this one hotel, and mm-hmm. this is the same way. It's all in this one house. Uh, so that was what really surprised me, and yet. It's obviously the subject matter is a lot bigger than that. Ken, real quick, your thoughts on Ex Machina. Did you enjoy it or did it throw you off? I did enjoy it. Where'd I go? There I am. I I did enjoy it um, mostly. There there were a couple parts where I was like, okay, I'm I'm getting bored with all of the soul searching and all of the talking and all the what. It felt like very, you know, if you were on a on a drug trip, you would ask the same questions about what if we were, you know, but what if we were what? Um, I, was just, I was just using examples, but it, it, what if what if I take the red pill? Yeah, stuff like that. Sure, why not? The Matrix was more interesting, but yeah. <laughs> it had like guns and stuff. It had guns and stuff, dude. And right, blood. Ken? That's right. There it was had, like punching. It had and- so much punching. Speaking, of, there was punching in this one. And it was freaky, but anyway. But uh, aside, I mean, it, it was not that kind of movie. It was it was supposed to be an introspective and movie that makes you think. Uh, questions about you know how 
at what point humanity does, what, what, yeah at what point does does artificial intelligence gain um sentience is is seems like too cliche a word right, but right. um so here's what i love about the movie and i'm going to ruthlessly rip off the opening paragraph from a review from several years ago when the movie came out uh, Matt Zoller cites, he writes for RogerEbert.com. Uh, he's writing a book on TV right now. He's a great reviewer. I really like him a lot. Uh, but his his review opens, real science fiction is about ideas, which means that real science fiction is rarely seen on movie screens, a commercially minded canvas that's more at ease with sensation and spectacle. Essentially, movies are for the kens of the world, and so we don't really get a lot of <laughs> real sci-fi and that's what I loved about this movie was mm-hmm. it wasn't worried about the punching. It wasn't it wasn't worried about, well, this is sci-fi, and so we need futuristic laser weapons and you know and mm-hmm. kung fu fights in the hallway and all that stuff. This was this was more pure sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true. And I actually enjoyed the fact that it was. I yeah. I didn't go into a movie like this expecting guns and punching and action. I expected what I got. It didn't mean that I you know, was was not checked out a couple of times in some of the longer dialogue between yeah. General Hux and Poe Dameron. But <laughs> I kind of feel like I, I feel sorry for Todd, who isn't here today, uh, because he would love this movie mm-hmm. to itty bitty pieces. Yeah. But he'll never watch it because boobs. Probably. <laughs> I, I don't know that for sure. But uh, but I mean, this movie really deserves to be watched. Mm-hmm. By I'm sure there's a sanitized version out there now. He could watch it. I should clarify <laughs> my, my uh, comments earlier about like it's exploring a lot of the same AI themes. I just finished watching this, the second season of Westworld and they touch upon a lot of the same themes that ex machina touches upon. So to speak, so to speak. Okay. Um, (laughs) So had I, had I seen ex machina when it came out had I not just been fresh off of Westworld, I probably would have been even more so blown away by this, but it was very much the same feel. And so what they're, what they're diving into with, you know AI and when when do when does artificial intelligence become human or conscious or whatever it is? Uh, like I said, it didn't it didn't seem well, to hit home so quite as much for I, me this I time. I see what you're saying, but I I think you're missing the mark of the movie. The movie isn't about the AI per se. It does raise some of those questions, and I'm happy to talk about uh, you know tech giants who are largely. Mm-hmm. Uh, unsupervised and do all sorts of creepy stuff with our data and, and those things are all dealt with mm-hmm. but ultimately the movie is about human nature not about the nature sure. of artificial intelligence yes sure right and so it well, uses that but it's defining as, what that is and can you replicate it and duplicate it right uh yeah yeah well sort of i i guess i just don't see that as the central question of the movie okay the central question isn't can you replicate it i mean that is an ancillary question that i would love to explore and that mm-hmm. it we're going to need to explore as society creates these kinds of things uh but i i saw the the central question as what does it mean to be human not what does it mean to be a robot and 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 that's why the ending of this movie is so interesting so maybe we should talk about the ending of this movie since you mm-hmm. watched it most recently kyle walk us through the last 15 minutes of the movie so basically uh you have this whole relationship between Ava and uh, Caleb and he's been testing her this whole time according to uh is it I think it's Nathan is the CEO Nathan, yeah. right. the the creator of this AI the creator of Ava. 
So they've been building up this relationship, and throughout the movie, Ava keeps telling uh, Caleb, you can't trust Nathan, don't trust what he says. And so he, uh, Caleb comes up with this idea that he's going to break her out of their research facility. And so the end of the, the last 15 minutes of the movie is that... His breakout, yeah, breakout his, attempt. His breakout attempt. And so he reprograms the system to get her out, and she gets free, and basically he thinks, okay, I'm going to free Ava, we're going to lock in Nathan, and we're going to get out of here, and she's going to be free. And Ava... But turns out... Yeah, but turns out Ava is freed... She gets out and she ends up uh, killing off Nathan and locking in Caleb and leaving him behind. And the whole objective was, you know, Nathan kind of has this big reveal that his whole idea for the the Turing test, which was the whole test to see whether or not Ava could be human or be perceived as human, was whether or not she could use Caleb as a means of escape. And so she does. She ends up using him as a means of escape. And the whole time you're thinking, okay, they're going to leave together. They've built this relationship. But she is straight up stone cold. And as a computer would think, logical, she uses him as a means to escape. And she completely disconnects from him and leaves him there and right. takes off. And now she's out in the world as so, a complete artificial intelligence. But nobody else would know. This is what I mean when I say that the movie is about human nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so we've got Ava, this robot, whose entire personality is gleaned from, not not just, I mean, gleaned makes it sound smaller than it is. it's, It's a torrent of information from all over the globe, basically people's internet habits, their searches, their questions, their whatever. Uh, All these things are distilled into Ava. And so... She is, she is, I mean, I'll use the word again. She's the distillation of human nature as perceived by this info dump from what's essentially Google. I mean, it's a, I can't remember the name of it. Blue book. It's yeah, it's not Google. Google. Um, And she turns out, so she's this distillation of human nature. And what is she? She's brilliant. She, but she's manipulative. She's She's cruel. Mm -hmm. She's murderous. Uh, so I feel like this is um, Garland maybe suggesting what human nature is at its root. It's possible he's also making a, a, a weirdly metaphysical point. Uh, it, it could be that he's suggesting that uh, that we we have souls, that human beings have souls, and that's what keeps us from being the way that Ava turns out to be at the end of the movie. Uh, it could be something along those lines that it's only our spiritual selves that keep us from descending into that kind of barbaric uh, natural state that she exhibits at the end. You know, she has no emotional connection. She's all those things that I mentioned earlier. Well, rather well, rather than give her empathetic um, sentience, it, it turns her into a psychopath. Uh, I, mean, really, I mean, that's because that's what it is. It's It's acting... It's acting with a disconnect for the concerns or the well-being of others, and it yeah. sounds more Man- like a sociopath to me. But I don't know. I think manipulating. Sure. I mean, you know. Nathan basically spells it out because, like, the end goal was for Ava to get out, um, and she used. And when he's talking to Caleb about it, he talks about how it's when they're talking about uh, 
Caleb asks him, well, why did you give her sexuality? And so right. he basically lifts, lists off all of these different uh, traits that that humans have or that, that Ava has at her disposal. And she can use empathy. She can use her sexuality. She can build a relationship. She can do all of these things. And she uses each and every one of those to achieve her end goal. And to your point about human nature, it's, it's that survival instinct is she just wants to be uh, free and out. Right. That's not a survival instinct, though. That's an impulse for freedom. I mean, she was surviving just fine. Uh, she had everything that she needed yeah. for life there in that bunker. Um, and so it's. I, I think it's a little bit more than just a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ken, you look like you were about to say something. I didn't mean to steamroller you. No, that's okay. I don't. Uh, I don't. It was. It was to an earlier point, and I, I, it kind of got lost in the in the scrum. But it it feels like the movie starts out as a. It, it's going to be a psychological discussion on sentience and on free will and on uh, what what makes you know one thinking creature so versus another and all that. And it, it feels like it turns into a movie of who is trying to get over on who. Whom, excuse me. <laughs> that that was the problem don't with that forget. sentence. Yeah, don't forget. <laughs> but because it, Nathan, it, it starts out Nathan is playing Caleb to test this robot, and then it becomes Caleb is playing Nathan to free Ava. But all along, it's been Ava playing Caleb and Nathan to gain her freedom, and so rather than answer the questions, and I don't know. So if the was, only thing missing was some good like. Uh, saxophone or like film noir nylon basically it was it it was chinatown without plugs i mean you know (laughs) without light plugs but but at the same time it feels like the movie didn't need to answer it necessarily the movie's point was to get the questions out i think have some some conversation about it and then leave us doing something like this three years later going hey what about i think that goes back to craig's earlier point and the the point with the introduction of you know, true science fiction isn't necessarily to like, here's the right answer. Or yes. Here's the wrong answer. It's to bring up those ideas and to allow you to speculate and think on things rather than just like, here's the definitive answer. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess in, in that sense, it does it well to me. Well, I, the point that you brought up a moment ago, Kyle, about a- Ava's sexuality, I mm-hmm. want to come back to that because I think this is extremely important even if we are extremely ill-equipped uh, or some might say over-equipped uh, to talk about such things. Oh, come on. Don't shake your head at me. That was good. Uh, but first, I, I want to just kick this dead horse one more time. Um, the idea of human nature and all that stuff. If Ava is the distillation of human nature, is the human nature that she exhibits specific to our online personas? So because she is this amalgamation of information gleaned from the internet, and I'm sorry, the internet is awful. Yeah. Um, is that does is that going to affect affect the way that she is essentially programmed, right? Uh, I mean the the internet, especially social media, but even if you just get into uh, you know things like web searches and and those sorts of things, it's the unrestrained id. Which, as it turns out, we all know from the last 20 years or so, that is a terrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and so, some parts of it are more idier than others. 
<laughs> sure. Looking at you, Twitter. Well, that's I, that's what I immediately jumped to. I think yeah. I honestly think Twitter is the worst thing on the internet. Yeah. And I'm struggling to exclude 4chan from that, but <laughs> they're both awful. Let's just put it that oh way. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, point being, I I'm just bringing this up. It's a possibility. It's it's maybe something that Garland was trying to say. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, questions? I have no emotions. Move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, Kyle, What's up? you have thoughts and feelings on this movie. I know you do. You said you came in with some notes. What else um, do you want to talk ex, about on Ex Machina? Ex Machina? Yeah. Um, this, I mean... Or do you want to get on to the man-woman thing? Ooh, the sec- the sexuality issue. The, we can talk about that, yeah. Yeah, the fact that this is... Let, let's just go... And we need to tread lightly here, obviously. I know <laughs> I do. Uh, but the story is... A, there There are four characters in the story. Yes. There are the two men, Nathan and Caleb, who we've discussed. Ava, who we've discussed. And I'm sorry, I cannot remember the other uh, female character's name. Kyoko. Kyoko, yeah. thank you. Um, and so she's she's a essentially mute kind of servant uh, mm-hmm. wandering around the house. She's Nathan's pleasure bot. Right, as we found out uh, later in the movie. I mean, it was pretty clear up front, yeah. but she's a she's another robot, maybe an earlier iteration mm-hmm. of this, and he uses her for uh, slave labor, sex slave labor, even um, dancing. And so it's a it's a weird sort of environment that Nathan has created. Uh, but it's also kind of interesting that this is the way that Garland wrote it. It was it's two men who are humans and two women who are robots. Um, and, and this is an area that we may want to tread lightly on, but it, it is of interest to me. Uh, one thing that I noticed... You have in having female robots? Is that what, <laughs> is that what I'm gathering here? Sure, Ken. <laughs> um, you'll be the first to know. Uh, so, I... There, there are a lot of different directions we could go with this question. The, the fa- me, me, I can talk. <laughs> the male-female dichotomy in this movie... One way I want to go is this one. I, I'm incredibly wary of the phrase toxic masculinity. Um, I, I don't yeah. know a whole lot about it. I'm, I'm leery when I come across it. But for if it means anything, if toxic masculinity means anything, then Nathan personifies it. And he may be a commentary on the worst impulses of not humankind, but specifically mankind, right? Uh, he sounds, take this as you will, but he sounds a whole lot like a frat bro, even yeah. though he, you know yeah. he's a genius nerd guy, but he sounds, he talks, he acts like a frat bro. He's constantly pounding the heavy bag. Uh, he swears, he drinks too much. He uses these women as sex slaves, these robots, I guess, mm-hmm. as sex slaves, uh, is sort of obsessed with the sexuality of the situation and makes great points about it. I I, sure. I really like that section. The it was there were great points that he made, but still it's a little mm-hmm. creepy the situation that he set up. What you were saying I mean this this will veer off the, the dichotomy a little bit, but the way that you were talking about how it's two human men and then female robots got me thinking about how this dude is in isolation. He's essentially trying to create human nature or humanity in isolation because he lives out in the middle of nowhere by himself with his robots and all of the information that he brings in 
for this project is like you said distilled from the internet and uh yeah i just think it's it's interesting that i, th I think to your earlier point absolutely uh ava's perception of human nature is skewed by what our online uh by what that online uh dynamic is because all of the information that he uses is downloaded and he had there is zero actual human interaction in that research facility even for nathan he very he has very little contact at least from what we're told in the story maybe there's other things going on but he said that you know he was talking about when they were building the research facility that he had these crews come in and he kind of made a passing joke about how he oh, had them all killed yeah, he had them all yeah. killed at the end but but he's so isolated that he is just in his mind all the time and and then he's with all of this data and so there's no it's almost impossible for him to create the actual human experience because there is no humanity in the research you know what i mean does that make sense I think so. Yeah, I think it makes sense. So, know, like I said, I'm just spitballing as you're talking. So. Right. Yeah, and and if um, if Ava's actions at the end, if they could be perceived as reflecting human nature at its most basic uh, level, mm -hmm. it could also just be a, a simpler, more personal reflection on Nathan's character. Uh, if he's the one who programmed her, I mean, we could take it that way. I think that makes it a more boring movie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but it could be that. I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking about like, there is no, like that online interaction, that digital interaction isn't real human interaction. Like, is that a commentary that's being made? <sighs> yeah. And I mean, that's an open question. Is it real human interaction? I'm not. I don't know. I'm like not, I said, I'm, I'm just, not sure I'm ready to write it off. Just completely. rattling around is, in here. Yeah. Is online interaction real human interaction? Is that what you're asking? Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm. I'm not willing to say no. I'm not willing to say yes. I will say that um, although I did not meet my wife for the first time online, I, I did meet her in person first. We got to know each other online before we ever got to know each other in person, and <laughs> worked out all right ten sure. years ago. You know. Anyway, mm -hmm. so I, so I'm not quite willing to say online life isn't human. Well, yeah, but it has real like substance. <laughs> uh, so there are a million other things that we can talk about with Ex Machina. Can you look like you have one more, but I do want to move on to Annihilation. So go I just ahead. wanted to mention this briefly on the whole male, female, android. You know, It doesn't have to do with toxic masculinity necessarily, but I did notice it. it's not uncommon in terms of science fiction that to have you know the male creator the female robot and they're sexy and, and and all of that it's it's going back you know as long as science fiction has been around that's been a thing and though given the way that our society has kind of flipped on its head in terms of uh, roles and all of that it, it wouldn't be it, it feels like this is a good uh jumping off point for maybe a role reversal in the movie a, a female creator creating a male you know, robot servant. I don't know, a male sex bot yeah, from Westworld type thing. Or I, I don't want to get too much into uh, that realm, but I, I will say one reason I think this works is that it rings so true. Yes, you know, it's the whole weird science thing. Like, what do boys do when they're yeah. left alone with their toys? Like, this is what they do, and 
I, I don't know that it would ring as true on a mass scale if it were flipped. I, I don't know that it would either, at least not in terms of, of just switching the roles and, and leave it there, meaning women acting like men, creating, you know, a, a male sex bot, for lack of a better term, that, you know, acts like a female or whatever. It, it, there would have to be something to it. But I, I think that there is somewhere in there that where we can see a female scientist creating a male robot yeah anyway um a, a last note on this movie well for now i will we can talk about it again in a moment but um i <laughs> i was reminded when nathan says to caleb or, or caleb figures out that i'm really attracted to this robot uh have you been have you been checking my porn habits and is she a kind of amalgamation of my porn searches? And Nathan's basically like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is exactly how I designed her. I was reminded of, uh, did you guys see Tomb Raider this year? No, not Came yet. Out no. The same, same actress, Alicia Vikander. Um, she plays the Tomb Raider. And I was reading this review of Tomb Raider after I saw it. And the reviewer was like really upset that this version of Laura Croft wasn't sexy enough. She wasn't attractive enough. She wasn't Angelina Jolie <laughs> enough. And uh, <laughs> and so I thought of that when I'm watching Ex Machina because it's like, <clears throat> here's the perfect woman. <laughs> Voila. But she's you know, not Angelina Jolie. Yeah, but right. her but her boobs aren't oh, massive, so she's not good enough. Anyway, Ew. it was the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. On that note, now that we've brought Ex Machina crashing back down to Earth, um, let's talk about Annihilation. So Annihilation is the second movie by Alex Garland. This one came out earlier this year mm-hmm. amid a lot of uh controversy surrounding its production and release. We can talk about that in just a moment. I saw it in theaters. Kyle, yep. you saw it in theaters. Ken, you saw it for the first time. I just not, saw it. Not two hours ago. Nope. Right it, here in this studio. I am so, still processing it. Um. <laughs> anyway, so once again, in case it's been a little while since you've seen it, or if you don't care about spoilers and you just want to hear us talk about it, here is the one paragraph summary. Over... Uh, over a year before the story begins, uh, I guess three years before the story begins, a meteor hits a lighthouse and a rainbow-hued bubble begins to grow outward. It's dubbed the Shimmer, and it defies all attempts at study. When instruments fail, teams are sent in. No one returns except Kane, and he seems completely nuts. His wife decides to investigate what happened to her husband, and with a team of several other female scientists, she enters the Shimmer and finds things there she never bargained for, including, perhaps, herself. Okay, so Annihilation is a much bigger movie than Ex Machina, just in yes. terms of scope um, and the visuals involved. It, it's it's uh, It doesn't feel like a blockbuster, like blockbuster big, but at least you have different sets. And, you know, there's... There's more of a there's more movement through this movie. There's a journey as they make their way through this shimmer, this bubble. Far more action. Yes. Yeah, so, oh my goodness. So this is much more. Yeah, that was my point. Is this is much more up your alley, Ken? Yeah. Um, and I was curious if you enjoyed this one uh, more than Ex Machina for the reasons that I expect you would. I don't know that I enjoyed it more because there was action in it. I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the action in it. 
absolutely. Um, I, and did, I did notice you checking your phone quite a few times. Did you get bored in this? It was more writing things down. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and going, hey, there's that actress. Let's check her out really quick. And that sounded that sounded worse than it actually was so dumb <laughs> you're the you're the worst <laughs> well it, it it made me uh, laugh also i thought if you swap out natalie portman for alicia vincander in this then you're you're basically just porting all of the actors from ex machina over into <laughs> into annihilation because they, they kyoko was there and look a little similar yeah was kyoko I, there yeah she was in the very beginning in the in uh what's her name leah's uh genetics class so what you're saying is alex garland is is like christopher nolan 2.0 where he just uses the same cast (laughs) he's like every (laughs) he's like every director that has their favorite actors i mean that's yeah let's let's be honest christopher nolan takes that to another level that he does yeah he'll he'll swap out a lead every now and then but other than that you got to get your tom hardy you got to get michael Caine in there If you can get christian bell that's great (laughs) you know you got to get uh uh cillian murphy he's in every murphy yeah Killian Murphy. It starts with a C. (laughs) I before this is why. Okay, tangent. The letter C, worst (laughs) letter in the alphabet. It's worthless. It's it's not just the worst. Yeah, it is. It's worthless. worthless We need to get rid of it. I'm starting the campaign now. So, what's the letter that you create for the CH sound? Uh, T S H. Okay. So anyway, uh, I like where your head's at. Don't pretend I haven't thought about this. Okay, so <laughs> now this one, uh, Annihilation, is harder in my mind to classify as science fiction. I feel like this is much more of a fantasy. Uh, it's hmm. it's it, a vehicle for some similar kinds of questions and uh, some similar lines of questioning, at least. Um, but this one is much less rooted in science. I mean, I can yeah, this is more space based fantasy you know, facial movements and and speech patterns and stuff; those are notoriously difficult, and we're years out from uh, from you know literally creating Alicia Vikander in a lab. However, I can see that technology. We already mm-hmm. can see that path. Yeah. This one, it's a little more so, fiction than science. Very much so. So we we get into the shimmer and uh, little ways into our adventures there. A long ways in. It's really toward the end when Josie, the physicist, realizes what's happening. And what's happening is the shimmer is refracting everything. So we're familiar with prisms that refract light and it breaks them down into their component parts. You know, a white light, it breaks it down and you see a rainbow, etc. This is doing that with everything. So it's doing it with the radio waves and that's why they can't communicate with the outside world. Uh, it's doing it with uh, DNA is what's yeah. really at hand here. Um, and so everything that we see is uh, a refracted version of itself. And things start to break down to their uh, to their uh, smallest component parts and then rebuild and then, in yeah, very and, odd ways. And then the alien soap bubble kind of amalgamates everything <laughs> together. The alien soap bubble, that is what it looks like. It is. Um, and that's one thing about this movie. It's not only bigger, but it's also just gorgeous. Oh my gosh. The soap bubble. I mean, we joke about it as a soap bubble, but, uh, but what it does, but it to, creates this rainbow effect through everything. This rainbow's kind of coming through the trees. One could say a shimmer effect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can leave now. Okay. All right. I will say this movie is visually very pretty. I, the, all of the scene once you get inside soap bubble world, everything is just gorgeous and there was one point where 
I want to keep calling her Jane because she's Jane Foster and Thor, you know. But it, Lena, Lena, are you serious? The, I really do. I just thought it was funny because because she plays Jane on another show. Yeah, and then, I think it's funny because that's like her least remarkable role. It is, but but they also Jane the Virgin was in this show, so everything was it was Jane World all the time. Anyway, don't ask me how I I just know from promos. Just, just anyway, go, just go. Anyway, Natalie Portman is walking through looking for um. The, the other Kane? woman, Shepard, oh, looking Shepherd. for Shepard, okay. um, who had been taken up by the, 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 gator, the gator bear thing. It was just a bear. Yeah. Anyway. It was, it was a weird ass bear. And she comes across some deer whose antlers are tree branches. Yeah. It's fantastic. So that was a long way to get to my short point. But. <laughs> so is your short point that looked cool? It looked very cool. It, the visuals were amazing. They come across this compound and the plants are growing. The trees are growing. In humanoid shape. Can, can go back to the deer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something we don't normally do on this podcast. All but right. I'm gonna make you dig. Okay. Okay. What what did the why did we have the deer scene? So that what we does could, it mean? Well, it, it means what we were talking about. That's what 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 it, it what means were we that about? it means that everything is being refracted and, <laughs> and mixed back together. Okay. All right. Get past the surface. Why did why do we have this scene? Why did Alex Garland put this in the movie for us? Why don't you just tell me what I'm thinking, Craig? <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? Um, I mean, she's she's looking at these two deer. It looks like one deer, mm-hmm. and then another one pops out from behind so, it. So the very start of the movie, we start with the cellular divide, right? Mm-hmm. The mutated cell, the mutated cells that's happening. So basically, that's what's happening inside the shimmer. Is there's uh, everything is being mutated. So the refraction of DNA or whatever is bouncing off of each other. And you have one deer that is ref- refracting off of itself or or mutating into kind of a a hybrid of its surroundings. Right. That's so, exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it does appear that way. I mean that's the that's the so, visual. I don't I, I wasn't clear if it was actually dividing mm-hmm. or if it was so throughout I yeah, think it was two deer just standing. It. I think it was just one standing behind the other, but it could have been dividing and that's probably what the what throughout the, the whole should have movie been. you see the duality of things. So yeah. there's always uh like I like I said, the very first it starts with the cells that are mutating and splitting. Um and then you see Throughout the movie, things are splitting off and there's mirror images of everything, pretty much everything that you see. Um, And one of the really interesting things is that this movie um, is kind of an entire commentary on cancer itself. I don't know if we talked about this at work or if we dug into this at all. Maybe. I Um, can't remember. Well, so it's true. The start, I, we I, did talk about this probably for hours on our yeah. Uh, car we talked about so many different things, uh, but the idea—I mean, the basically the premise of the movie is: what if the world got cancer? So, if you frame the whole movie from that angle, it really changes a lot of the things that at least I was thinking about. Is so you have this event that happens, which starts at the lighthouse, and when we get to the lighthouse, we see that there's this big tumor like thing on the lighthouse right right and what does cancer do so cancer basically mutates, mutates cells and expands mutates and expands and destroys mm-hmm. slowly right but everybody doesn't have the same experience with cancer so that's why you're seeing all of the different mutations that are happening within the shimmer 
there are different things that are happening. Uh, you've got your crocodile with shark teeth. You've got your deer. You've got these people that are coming into the shimmer that are shark to gator. Yeah, the shark. Yeah. There you go. You've got different uh, coming soon on sci-fi. I was going to say shark-a-dial, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, different DNA or different things that are meshing on a cellular level, but they're all being mutated and changed. But along with that mutation and change, a lot of these individuals or things that are being affected by it can't handle that mutation, similar to what cancer cells do. They kill off or they duplicate or they basically spread and slowly... Uh, either destroy, I mean, usually destroy what's yeah. happening, but there are people who are able to overcome that much like Lena. Um, so yeah, I just thought, I thought it was really interesting commentary by Garland about just the nature of cancer itself and how it spreads and how it mutates. And, and in order to like one of the comments that uh, it was Tessa Thompson's character. I can't remember what she was, what her name was. Josie. Josie. She said, uh, you know, Ventress wants to face it. You want to attack it. I don't know that I want to do that. Everybody everybody takes on cancer in a different way. Um, but at the very end of the movie, you have these two beings where you've got Lena who's come out of the shimmer. And, we, you know, we don't think that she's the clone because she destroyed the clone. And you've got Kane or the, the mirror image of Kane who is, you know essentially the clone, but those two people have been changed regardless of whether they're the original or not the original, they have been changed. And I, and for me, the commentary is that anybody who's faced cancer, whether it's, you know, somebody who has had cancer or you've been with somebody who's, who, you know, you, a loved one's had cancer, you know, somebody pretty much everybody has been affected by it in one way or the other, but you can't say that, once you've been affected by it, that you're the same person as you were before you have changed. That experience has changed you, whether it's, you know, in this movie, it's on a cellular level and it's like actual completely changed, but you know, on a higher level, it's yeah. 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 Anyways, kind of messes with you. I I totally missed the, the cancer, uh, inspiration, the, the, the cancer allegory, through, while I was watching the movie, but it makes complete that sense. Is, that is remarkable. Okay. I know. That you're, is remarkable. I mean, yeah, and I on, a, on a lower level, <laughs> on a lower level, it's about self-destruction. And that um, was, that was my point is every single person that goes into the bubble is troubled in some way, is mm -hmm. broken in some way. And the, the, the shimmer kind of magnifies all of those troubles and, and plays with them. And, and then everybody mm -hmm. except for Lena, you know, fails to survive it. They don't, they are basically destroyed by whatever their yeah. destructive well, tendency well, was. Well, that's the thing. Like the nature of cancer is self-destructive, right? So the dude in the hazmat suit that is interviewing Lena uh, in the frame story, you know, he asks her basically at the very end of the movie, so it was alien. And she's like, yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, she like nods, but she doesn't really give like a solid... Yeah, it's totally alien because if you think of think about like what a cancer cell is, it's something that's alien, but it's also part of you, right? So it's kind of yes and no. There's not yeah. really an answer to that. It's it's a it's a self-destructive mutated gene that is spreading. And so the answer to whether or not it's alien mm. nah, kind of 
Um, and then he goes on and asks her, well, is it carbon based? Well, I don't know. Is it, you know, so she doesn't have an answer for that, but it's just very naturally. Uh, I mean, like I said, it just plugs right into that idea of what, what is happening in the shimmer and cancer in of in and of itself is a self-destructive force because it's your body that's literally killing yourself off. And the idea here in this movie is that with cancer, there's nothing you can do about it, right? This is, uh, I mean, obviously we have medical intervention. You can attack cetera, it with phosphorus. But, but uh, there, there's nothing that you, there's no control that you have over whether you uh, get cancer or mm-hmm. whether you're able to defeat cancer mm-hmm. or I should say very little control. Uh, similarly, mm-hmm. there's the point made that we are all hardwired to self-destruct, to borrow mm-hmm. the yes. title of the latest Metallica album. Um, we are this. This is a part of us uh, that we don't just do it physically, but we do it uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually as well. And it, we all exhibit this tendency to some degree and in yeah. some way. And the only thing thing left to, for us to do is to recognize that to find the ways in which we do that and see what we can do to combat it i guess mm-hmm. um but where where ex machina is a movie about uh how it, w- what human nature means in our relationships with other people this is much more about what human nature means for our relationship with ourselves Mm-hmm. And what yeah. what we do to ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think to that, you know, we're all inherently self destructive. Um, again, it it just ties into that that idea that uh, we are our own. I don't want to say worst enemy, but like we are our own cancer to an effect. We want to, or we don't not necessarily want to, but we can't help but hurt ourselves with our actions and our choices well we've got a few minutes left and i wanted to kick it to some of our listeners uh who wrote down a few things on both facebook and reddit and so i'm gonna go to reddit first um because that is where we hold most of our conversations uh bomb tombadil (laughs) (laughs) which i love bomb tombadil says you guys first of all he says you guys almost make me want to get an instagram almost almost (laughs) well then our mission is almost complete i guess uh okay oh and then he doesn't really say anything else of much substance okay so but except for keep up the good work you bet we will bomb tom thanks bomb yeah um dewat 423 d d what Sure. What if it's uh, it's um, D E W O T, Kyle? Maybe this is one of your people. Of could be of the wheel of time. Uh, okay. Do you think it matters whether or not Natalie Portman's character in Annihilation is a clone or not at the end? Um, no, no. I don't think it matters. I do think it's so. It, it seems pretty clear to me. Uh, through the home video that Kane makes that he kills himself and his clone escapes. Mm-hmm. And in the end, when she asks, by, she says, by design too, you're mm-hmm. not the real Kane, are you? And he says, no, I don't think I, so. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the other hand, I do feel like it's fairly clear that she is the one who makes it out of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and that the clone is not the one who makes it out of the lighthouse. However, that doesn't answer the question of how infected she is. And you know that sort of thing. So is it 
um she it may be her but is it is it her her is it the real version of her mm-hmm. and um does it matter whether it's her i i, I don't think it matters because no. it doesn't we're not looking for an answer to that it's more just to get you to think about the cancer issues that you're talking about kyle and the the splitting off the the thing that mm-hmm. where you said um even if even if you're not the one who has it you're still affected I'm reminded of the conversation in the boat with her and uh, the woman who gets killed by the bear. Vent- or no, uh, not Ventress. Uh, Shepard. Shepard. Uh, yeah. So she and Shepard are talking and Shepard says, yeah, my daughter uh, had, I think it was leukemia uh-huh. and she died. And she said it was like there were, I had two bereavements, my mm-hmm. my lovely daughter and the person I used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're getting at with Natalie yep. Portman's character. It's and whether or not it's her that left, she's not the same she's, person. Yeah. She's not the same person. And to further the cancer topic, you know, you you can be completely cured, quotation marks, of cancer or, you know, be in remission and cancer can come back. There is no rhyme or reason to that. So even though Natalie Portman's character comes out of the shimmer and she's not the clone, she essentially purged herself of that, you know, whatever that was, there's still that change that has happened. And when, you know, their eyes glow at the end and they shimmer or whatever, the idea that there, there can be a, uh, a relapse or, you know, what I don't know what the, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know what I mean? never, anyways, never it dealt with a lot of cancer in my life. So, uh, so I don't know all the terms now let's let's do this uh, i have one more question from dewat 423 that i want to get to but that'll i want to save that one till the very end so let me kick it over to the facebook people uh kyle proust asks have any of you read the book that annihilation is based on i have um, not and apparently it's a trilogy is that it, right? it is in fact a trilogy this one is based only upon the first book uh, I no, so none of us have read the book mm-hmm. and from what i understand it is incredibly different from the movie, uh, I guess what happened was Alex Garland read the book, and then months later, or I, I think it, I got the impression that it was months later, he began working on the screenplay. But instead of going back and rereading the book, he uh, based it on his memories and impressions and feelings from the book. Right. And so there are some wild departures. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have a ton to do with the the actual plot of the book, um, and that's uh, I. I, having not read the book, I'll say I think I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. This really gets to some of our earlier discussions on the nature of adaptation and right. that you have to be okay with the two different mediums being well, and, really different. And from what I understand, this uh, movie Alex Garland meant as a standalone. He wasn't looking to make a trilogy. The, uh, yeah, right. he wasn't looking to make a trilogy. He he said, if somebody else wants to take that up and make the trilogy, cool. But Annihilation I'm, Two, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is a standalone movie in in Alec Garland's Alex Garland's world. Um, Andrew Lobley says Ex Machina is a masterpiece. Well, I agree, Andrew, and I think we're mm-hmm. all at least on board that it was great. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Michael Vaughn says uh, about the books that the three books are wondrous, effective, or affecting, eccentric, disturbing. The movie, less so, in my opinion, but it's pretty. Very um, pretty. He did so watch I, the Scream Bear scene, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because, damn. That, 
Yeah, I when we when we finished the screaming bear scene, I just leaned over to these two guys and said, uh, said if nothing like I would pay full price, it would be worth whatever their production budget was to make one scene. If it was just the screaming bear scene, that was just perfect oh, horror. Gosh, that was that was horrific. Um, in fact, I would I would probably extend that to the entire scene in the house with the menacing the the other women in the mm-hmm. chair with the knife and it, it was it was all great um yeah. okay yeah. um and john latanzio says a vandermeer episode would be pretty great vandermeer being the novelist uh, mm-hmm. well who knows oh, yeah. maybe maybe someday we will we'll put it on the list it's uh getting to be a ridiculous list at this point it's, but, it's a trilogy f- you know for the ages but why not okay so i want to go back to our Reddit question. Govier, no, not Govier. Um, Govier answered Dewat's questions, uh, but I want to answer them as well. As a follow-up to the earlier one, which of the two movies did you enjoy more and which did you think was better? Hmm. These are not necessarily the same question. Hmm. Which did you enjoy and which did you think was better? So I want you guys to think about that for a moment uh, while I just mention that... I. I if you didn't know, it, maybe you'd never heard of this movie, Annihilation, I mean. Maybe you heard about it, but you never made it to the theater. Um, and if you didn't, that was too bad. And you really only had a chance to, or if you were in a couple of markets. It was released in the U.S. and I think one or two other markets. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones. But most of the international market was a straight-to-Netflix deal, which I find unfortunate Mm -hmm. especially watching it today so we're we're sitting in this studio it's not especially large it's the size of a you know a medium-sized family room maybe and we're across the the room from a 60 inch tv with a you know these two massive speakers and it was too small way 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 too small for some of the things that he did in this movie and he said that he says yeah i mean Fine, it got distribution, and I'm grateful that people will be able to see my movie, but ultimately, I made this for the big screen, and it's too bad that it won't be on the big screen in a lot of markets, and I really agree with that. I wonder if at some point, because of the uh, critical acclaim and just how a lot of people have been talking about it, I wonder if it'll have some kind of re-release at some point. I doubt it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's had enough critical acclaim. I don't think it's had enough of an impact. Um, and so I doubt it. Ex Machina was wide release, right? Or was it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Ex Machina. How did it do? I don't know how, I don't have the reference of like how it did in the, cause I'm wondering it's, if, uh, because he's, he's had a few different, it uh, made money. It, I think the production budget was like 15 million and it made like 63 or something. 30, uh, yeah. It, uh, 40, it something gross like 25 million. The production budget was 15. Um, Ex Machina so grossed 40. 25. Yeah. Um, what? So 40. Made about forty million bucks. No, since it grossed twenty five and it cost. 15. Oh, dom- that was just. I'm sorry, that was just the domestic gross. Um, so international gross. What are you getting your forty from? Are you high? Are you high? Something I read once. Uh, it made. It looks like it made about thirty seven million. Which so- is so much farther away from forty than anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Okay, so you're close enough, Ken. Thank I'll you. I'll give you that. Um. 
Anyway, I don't know what Annihilation did, but I guarantee it didn't make its production budget back. No. Yeah. Um, which I think it could have, but here's what happened. Um, there were there were two producers there. Well, there was the producer, and then there was one of the financiers behind it. So the money guy sees the movie and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is too intellectual. It's too difficult. The main character is too unlikable. You can't release the movie like this. You can't do it. I won't stand for it. And the producer, so I'm not talking about the director, Alex Garland, but one of his producers went to bat for the movie and said, no, this is, this is art. This, you know, you're trusting us and you have to keep trusting us and you got to let us put it out as is. The guy refused. There was this whole spat and that's why we had the release woes, why it didn't get a worldwide mm-hmm. uh, release and why I think it was criminally under-marketed. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very little marketing went into this movie. I think it only had one trailer, if I recall correctly, and it probably mm. only played in front Which of a, a couple movies. isn't a bad thing, only uh, having one trailer for a movie. Well, no, I no, agree. That's not I'm just saying in, it wasn't comparison, to, yeah. in comparison to the, the rest of the market, sure. the rest of the movie market, a movie like this, uh, a kind of cerebral sci-fi thriller that doesn't, like, how am I going to put it? it? You can't go up against the other movies in the market sure. without a healthy marketing budget. Sure. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm just making a different point of we have way too many trailers for right. movies that are released now. We get teaser. Oh, we get I teasers totally for teasers agree. and yeah. then we get yeah. trailer one, trailer two, trailer three. It's, no, and I've pathetic. seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as terrible as it is before I've even seen it. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're the, not wrong about that. The financier who was so pissed about this, he wanted it reshot. He wanted different scenes added. He wanted the ending changed and the producer refused. And so I just, I do want to point out, thank goodness for that guy mm-hmm. who recognized a, a piece of artwork when he saw it and refused to mm-hmm. let, it let, you know, Captain Moneybags <laughs> change it. So uh, good on that. Captain man. Moneybags. So Scott Rudin is his name. The executive producer who, the, the, who stood his ground, who stood his ground. Yep, he was, um, he was a profile in courage. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so you've had some time to think about it. This is our last question, and we are wrapping up. Uh, which of the two movies did you enjoy more, and which did you think was better? Ken, I think I enjoyed Annihilation more, not probably a surprise. Um, but I think Ex Machina probably was the better movie. Okay. In terms, in terms of uh, story, substance, and execution, I think that Ex Machina probably was better. Okay, but yeah. All right, Kyle. Uh, I think Annihilation on both of those questions for me. I enjoyed it more, and I thought it was a better movie. It got me thinking more about things that I haven't thought about already. Um, like I said, I've, I've had the, I've seen a lot of AI type stories i've read a lot of those stories i've thought about the whole human nature thing so for me it was different Mm -hmm. um and i really enjoyed that it made me think about things on a different level um plus it was just visually just astounding um and horrifying and yeah anyways (laughs) yeah yeah so horrifying all all the horror the horror the level of horror i guess in annihilation is just about perfect for mm -hmm. me yeah one other thing that I really like about Annihilation, it's not something that we brought up yet and we don't have to talk about it for too long, but 
this is a girl power movie without being in your face girl power movie. <laughs> and I think that Alex Garland did a really good job of this. And I would think that this is the type of thing that you would want if you are into that. Uh, uh, this is one more activism. reason why why it was criminally undermarketed, right? Mm -hmm, right. This this was the movie that we've all been waiting for, where it's it's a girl power movie without descending to the level of idiocy that we had with like Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, right? It's mm -hmm. they just they just cast really strong female characters in all of the main roles. They play their roles. You don't have to draw any attention to the fact that they're women necessarily. Right. And it's just 100% believable. I never for once thought that we were shoehorning one of these characters in because it was the the female cast. Right. And Absolutely. It, you know, and never even thought about it until I left the theater and somebody brought it up and I was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Two male and, characters in the entire and, movie. Well, and, and it and was them, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was great. And so that was another thing. Like I said, I didn't think about it at first, There's, but when it was pointed out to me, it just took this movie to the next level where it's like, it doesn't have to be in your face, but this is what you're going for. Yeah. And I've I've read some think pieces on Annihilation that make me think if we were three women of our age having watched this movie we would have wildly different things to say about it um you know there are people uh, writing online about how oh my gosh uh, this really echoed my feelings on my pregnancy or something like that like this movie has a lot to say for women i think and i but i don't know what all those things are and i'm glad that we're not going to attempt no. to say all of those no, things no. nope um but uh, but i'd be interested to hear them so the legendarium.reddit.com yeah. like i said i just appreciate the fact that it wasn't like either marketed or called out really directly in the movie that like oh yeah there's one no. line when she says uh when they're getting ready to go in the shimmer and lena says all, all women and josie corrects her and says all scientists Mm -hmm. And then they go in the shimmer, and that's it. That's all you hear about it, and that's all. And that's all that needs. And that's great to yeah, be that's done because yeah. I do feel like you're undercutting yourself by drawing attention to it. So, all right. So, uh, whether I enjoyed this one more than Ex Machina, which one I thought was better, uh, I thought that I enjoyed Ex Machina more. Um, no, hang on. Gosh, dang it. I really, I'm having a hard time deciding. I really am. I think that Ex Machina has the better script and the better story. Um, it's it's a lot tighter. There is not one single moment of Ex Machina that is wasted. Uh, I, I read some somebody's comment. It was uh, Govier's comment, I think. Um, and he said he got a little bit bored through Ex Machina. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't. I was I was riveted the entire time. Uh, I didn't feel like there was a moment of wasted space. I didn't feel that way with Annihilation. I felt like there were just a few things that maybe you could trim and, mm -hmm. and it would be fine. Um, and so I think that, gosh, I think I'm going to say that Ex Machina is the better story. But as far as the better theater experience, the better movie as a whole, I might say Annihilation just because of the unreal imagery and uh, soundtrack that it had. Um, so, so which did you enjoy more? Which did I enjoy more? I. They're very, the thing is they're very different. They're, they're so different. They're, yeah, they're similar I'm on gonna, certain levels, I'm but they're gonna very different. I'm going to plant my flag for that one on Annihilation. 
I just remember I came home from the theater and my wife said, how was the movie? And I went, <laughs> for like three days and mm -hmm. while I was working out my thoughts on it. And that was a ton of fun. I do think there's something to be said for um, at least bringing your viewers to the point of an answer to the questions you pose, mm -hmm. even if you're not going to, uh, you know, Give it to them. Give it to them. You at least bring them along to the answer you want them to, to come to. In that way, I felt like Ex Machina was the more complete movie. I got to the end of Annihilation, and I thought um, it, in some ways it feels unfinished in its oh, yeah. um, in the way that it presents its questions and answers. Mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of feels like Alex Garland posed all these questions, and then when he couldn't come up with any satisfactory answers, he said... Oh, never mind. Then there aren't any to be had. <laughs> never mind. So, you know what I mean? So, uh, all right. We've yammered Agreed. on for over an hour. So let's stop yammering on. Thank you for listening, stop everybody. Stop the yammering. And uh, make sure you go to, like I've said a few times already, thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation. And please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. And I am kicking around a few new ideas for uh, the the tiers on patreon so watch out for those uh the uh, to be frank here's the thing when i set them up the five dollar tier which is the one where we send packages out i thought to myself that's fine because nobody will do this <laughs> nobody will ever give nobody us $5. nobody will do this and it turns out I'm, I'm not looking at the numbers in front of me but if it's not the most popular tier it's darn close um, and so it, it, essentially there are so many of you now in that tier that it's become somewhat untenable to do the, the packages, yeah. uh, that we've been doing. So I'm, I'm working Basically, on Craig is saying that your money is a huge inconvenience to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I'm saying is how dare you be so generous? Uh, how dare you all? Um, anyway, so I am working on some other things. I keep an eye on that. I know I can send messages to you all by group. And so keep an eye on your inboxes, uh, make sure that you're getting your emails from Patreon so that you can keep up with us. Um, let's cut and run gentlemen, and we will reconvene next week for the wise man's part fear two part the, two. Yep. Uh, hopefully we'll have Ryan back for that one. Uh, we'll talk about The Wise Man's Fear Part 2 and uh, stick around. The two of you stick around after we're done here. We'll just talk for a few minutes about Jurassic World and uh, Ocean's 8. And we'll put that on Patreon for the $3 up, folks. Woo! And we'll see you guys all next week. Woo!